Sandy Scott is a physician and executive coach who has coached over 500 physicians and healthcare executives. Her vision is to transform the lives of all physician leaders into meaningful and high-performing journeys by teaching us the strategies and tactics we need to lead and live with purpose. We discuss how to get to the C-suite, and this requires a lot of self-reflection. The key is being able to identify your strengths and playing to those strengths in order to get to the goal that you may never have previously considered. This is all about big picture and big thinking in order to have a transformative journey. She gives us some steps that can build the foundation to start moving in that direction. She's a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, a board and professional certified coach, and a certified physician development coach with an executive master's in public administration from the University of Colorado. You can find her at sandyscottllc.com and on her podcast, High Impact Physicians. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Sandy, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for the invite and happy Monday. Yes. Um, so how did you get started in physician coaching? Tell me, tell me your origin story. Okay, so I want to make it sound really smooth and polished, but I think, to be honest, it was a big accident. It, I don't know, maybe it's a big accident. I also feel like it's part of my calling. So let me kind of talk through this from a couple of places. I'd say that the actual point of origin was back in 91. I gave birth to my oldest son. I had a plan all mapped out. And then at 10 days old, he got diagnosed with severe brain damage. And without making light of that, the reason it's relevant is when I think back to that chapter, I was so overwhelmed. You know, people talk now about feeling exhausted, just out of sorts, scared, life was hard. I look back and I honestly wondered if I would ever know happiness again. I was super scared. By coincidence, I bumped into a coach training program and maybe it was a coincidence. Those challenges actually led me to an opportunity for a coach training program. And the reason I mentioned that is that coach training program helped me come up with a framework, a new way of thinking to reinvent myself, my family, in a way that was really aligned with some of my original dreams. And I, I think that's relevant because I felt so broken at the time and I didn't want help. What I wanted was a path forward where I could reconnect to what mattered to me. Now, fast forward, Zachary's actually 29. He's supposed to die by the age of one. Um, he has never walked. He's never talked. He's never rolled over. But pre-COVID, he'd finished... I think we count like 49 or 50 triathlons, uh, lives in his own condo. We went to yoga every Saturday. And bottom line, he's absolutely thriving, living a radically amazing life. And so the way that's connected is I'm living proof that these tools really work. If I was to maybe connect the dots a little better, I... I really had it on my heart about 15 years ago to want to pay it forward and give back to the people that gave me 28 extra years with my son. So it's literally those tools, those skills 
that helped me reinvent myself as a person really was a game changer for our family. Our family's thriving that served as the foundation for the work that I now do with physicians. So I hear almost daily physicians talk about they thought they wanted to get out of medicine, but now they realize they want to stay in it. They feel reconnected to meaningful work. I had one guy, he's a surgeon, actually said, oh, I actually look forward to leading meetings again. I like for a long time, just thought they're a big waste of time. But those same tools are helping people to have better quality conversations, better energy. So the probably more formal way to even talk through that is um, I'm a board certified coach. I've been coaching for 25 years and really started out by teaching those skills to parents of kids with disabilities who are in leadership roles that morphed into um, working at Banner to coach their executive teams. And um, we started to repackage skills into an advanced leadership program for physicians. And the whole strategy there was to build a pipeline of physician leaders. As a result of doing that, I heard people talk about how transformational it was, how those kinds of experiences really had some unexpected benefits of people feeling more intimate relationships, uh, more good stuff. And so I really had on my heart, I wanted to scale up and offer that to a broader audience. So left, uh, put together a team, launched our business, and now we're just really all about giving back, paying it forward, and our mission is to guide great physicians to become great leaders. And bottom line, uh, Zachary's thriving, our family's thriving, and we think we need more physicians out front leading healthcare. Wow, what an incredible story. That is, it is uh, now. I was yeah. pretty much a hot mess for a big chunk of it, but that's why I was cautious how to describe it because it was hard. You know, leadership from the inside out is hard, and we are um, we as a team are thriving now. But it came from a place of angst, uncertainty, chaos, and exhaustion. And it evolved. It evolved. And it it evolved. You didn't start off as a physician coach. You started in a very different place, and then and then over time, you're your skill set continued to evolve as well as the people that you coach. Yes. Yeah, thanks for making it sound smooth and polished because that <laughs> is also true. <laughs> so now that you, you do coach physicians, a lot of whom are, so you're saying we, we need to be in positions of leadership. And ultimately, and I, and I totally agree, um, because if we're not the leaders, then that means someone else is, right? And... And nobody understands like physicians and what we go through like other physicians. So we definitely need to be in those physicians. In those <laughs> physicians need to be in those positions. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, tongue twister. So that's the specific goal of the of the physicians that you coach, correct? They're physicians that are looking to kind of climb the ladder. So um, yes and no. So yes and no. So it's. I think people can probably appreciate how to think about goals differently. It's almost like to be a way to solve problems. And now there's newer ways of thinking called design thinking. And I would say coaching has a similar vibe to that. So when people start out in coaching to set goals, what I would say is coaching is not transactional. So it's actually not necessarily about climbing a hierarchy or, or, or getting into a leadership role. The process is much more creative, embraces a lot of curiosity the goals, what's really relevant is to write goals that's aligned with the person's values, their worldview, how they make meaning of it. And what that means is we start with the discovery process because some people might not even know what their core values are. So if I were to organize goals into maybe two themes, two like really big buckets, 
One is probably related to what you're saying. It's really guiding physicians who want to move into leadership roles or accelerate their leadership roles, really coaching them to recognize that what got you here won't get you there. So that might involve some skill development. So there might be some uh, focus on emotional intelligence, like how to handle conflict more effectively. It might be creating that mind shift around, as a leader, work work really gets done through influence and through others. So really understanding the organization over yourself. Sometimes we do big ones, skill development around effective communication. So helping physicians really understand their style and then how to flex it. So they can connect with people, especially people really different from them. And then the other one, when I think about skill development, is really, really understanding how work gets done. So, you know, one way to think about that is organizational awareness. So really understanding the informal structures of how to get work done through teams. That's one big thing, skill development, to support people to get from where they are to where they want to go. The other one is probably a bigger theme or just as big. I'm not sure what to name it, but it goes something like this. Physicians have like mapped out their life and it was all, you know, kind of detailed out. They get into practice, they do it for 10 years and they wake up one day and say like, this is it, now what? <laughs> so coaching, a lot of coaching has to do with exploring people's either unique abilities, rediscover what matters, leverage their core strengths and a real tactical way to even think about that or maybe one even exercise on that is I've heard physicians love is writing about their ideal day. So just really getting curious, imagine from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, really imagine, design, and actually write out personally and professionally what would be like the ideal day. And sometimes physicians are really surprised to find out that like, you know, what they want to wear, the route they want to drive, what they want to have for breakfast, where they want to eat it you know, what kind of coffee they want to actually map it out or actually write it out. They can actually harvest some elements of that uh, right away rather than waiting till some other day. So the second bucket is really getting curious and exploring the now what, even if you don't know how, that's what coaches can do. Okay. So it sounds like start with what you want to get to eventually and at the same time, figure out where you are right now. Like what's your current skill set? Where are your strengths? And then where do you want to go? And then you kind of bridge the two. You figure out how are you going to use that skill set to get from A to B? Very close. I'd say it's about getting really clear where you are. It's about really thinking big about the future, what matters, and then use your strengths to close the gap. The thing I would underline, though, is a lot of people go into coaching thinking they know exactly what they want. And what really good coaching processes do is actually start with some kind of discovery process because what I notice is most physicians think way too small. And so part of the process is actually thinking bigger about what matters and then using your strengths to close the gap. What do you mean by that? What do you mean thinking too small? So I notice physicians tend to think kind of technically, like I want to accomplish this or learn this or do that, something kind of external. And a lot of coaching has to do with growth from the inside out. So it has a lot more to do with getting more real about what are your core values. And if you could express those and experience those more often, what would that be like? So a little more abstract. Like we're very, we're very concrete. What do you yeah, want to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. I want to finish my three surgeries and get home in time to like pick my kids up from school. Right. Like that's, 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 what, that's the answer you're going to get. Whereas you're thinking more like, 
Uh, well, give me an example of something a little more broadly based. Well, and that's thinking. where, yeah, so that's where, um, that's where the discovery process, so I'll give you an example. So what we do in the discovery process is we have a five-step process, and the, those five steps help inform people about what matters. So we go through a Hogan assessment, we have a set of reflective questions, we have a series of things that people go through, and we debrief each of those five things so people can discover, like, what part of that is interesting to me or what part of that's important to me. And then we allow those answers to inform people about what kind of goals they want to set. So that's why it's called a discovery process. It starts out, it really is about thinking bigger and more 360, thinking, um, thinking about reengaging and reframing your whole life not just a linear path of something check off to do. And that's why it's a transformational process. That's why it's a discovery process to get started. So you also talked about identifying your strengths mm-hmm. and playing to our strengths. How do we identify our strengths? Because I, I would assume sometimes we're wrong, right? right. Yeah. Like oh, I, yeah. <laughs> plenty of colleagues that I'm a people person. People are going to like me. I'm good at interacting <laughs> with people. And like there's no insight there or reflection and or, or or even the opposite oh i'm terrible at interacting with people and meanwhile this is someone who like everyone wants to spend time with and all of their patients love them so you know i think sometimes we're limited in our own self-reflection so how do we identify our strengths and make yeah, sure and know that we're, we're correct yeah i love it so i say there's some formal and informal ways so first off um you can ask five people you really trust say what are my strengths and write them down look for the themes Ask for people you trust, you appreciate, and write it down. Um, number two, uh, I'd say do an assessment. We've got a couple of favorites, but I'd recommend actually going through an assessment, have someone debrief you. There's lots of people can debrief lots of different assessments. But don't do all the free online ones. Actually go through an assessment and have that person help identify what your strengths are, how to put them into action. And the third thing I would say is as people we're actually wired to notice what's wrong. It's why it helped us to evolve so we don't get eaten up by saber-toothed tigers, right? Yeah, go, this, rule, goal number one, don't die. Yeah, die, two, yeah right, reproduce. right. Yeah. Can't so reproduce kind of if wired. you die. Yeah. Yes, we're wired that way. But that same mindset of ignoring our strengths or discounting our strengths is largely what's contributing to high levels of disengagement and most people having blind spots where they're actually not aware of their strengths. So more specifically, what I'd say is if we overuse or underuse a strength, uh, it's not good. Shit can kind of the fan and we can offend people, road relationships, it's not good. What we want to do is find a way to optimize our strengths. So like I said, ask people, do an assessment. There's a couple different ways. But then what's really important is in terms of optimizing strengths, to really understand the science behind it, when people optimize their strengths, they... Um, it's a direct correlation to increased well-being, um, greater happiness, um, really having a more innate way of managing stress, conflict, and actually develop more positive relationships. So I recently coached a CMO. Um, he actually was aware that he got feedback, that he builds teams, he inspires people, he he's got this unique gift of, of getting people to stretch assignments that feel meaningful. And he kept saying, you know, that's nothing. That's, that's not relevant. It's not important. 
But when we could flip it around and actually recognize this is a core strength you have, stop beating yourself up that you don't do Excel spreadsheets super fast, there was a way he could understand how to optimize his strengths, leverage his strengths. He actually started to love his work more. And then he could delegate or develop other people that do Excel spreadsheets. So bottom line, when people can identify, say, four or five of their core strengths, think of them as a constellation, their own unique combination. We grow more by focusing on our strengths, not our weaknesses. And I will tell you from my own observations, the more we grow, the more we become who we really are. And I think what healthcare needs and what our team needs is for more of us to play to our strengths, our optimal strengths. So you just you just mentioned it uh, with regards to the weaknesses, but but I was hoping you might be able to flesh that out a little more because I think the counter argument to playing to your strengths would be try to shore up your weaknesses, right? Won't you be a more well balanced individual if you can, rather than playing to your strengths, try and develop your weaknesses? Um, but I think. What you were alluding to was, well, you can outsource your weaknesses, but if you're playing to your strengths, then you're, you can't be replaced because you're so good at those things. Absolutely. I would say outsource, delegate, or at the very least, manage them. You don't want your weaknesses to interrupt what you're doing. So I like your word, outsource, delegate, or at least manage them so they're not eroding relationships or interrupting people. So let's say we did want to step into a leadership position. Um, and we've done some, organized our goals, identified our strengths and weaknesses. What do we do to get to, to take a step in that direction? I mean, in terms of like something, something concrete, like do we join a committee? Do we mm. talk to the current leadership? Do we, what do we do? Because physicians like, we need a checklist. Right. We need, we need, we do, we, we are, as you said, we are concrete thinkers. We need the next step. So the next step in terms of concrete steps, uh, what do we do? Okay. All right. So hang with me because I, I have to talk in metaphor and I will also give you some next steps. Okay. <laughs> okay so for people that want to move towards the C-suite, I would actually start by taking a step back before taking a step forward. So what I mean by that is um, a metaphor that comes to my mind is working with, I'm going to say, three pieces of glass. Um, so before jumping into a plan to move towards a CMO or CEO, I've got three pieces of glass. So the first would be a, a telescope. So really think big picture. So think about what do you love to do? What energizes you? What are the challenges or the problems that you want to solve? What makes you come to life? Maybe an activity could be write your eulogy. Like when you think about measuring your life and what really mattered to you, write about what you once said. I've worked with physicians that started out saying they want to get into an executive role, but it wasn't because it appealed to them. It's because they were thinking of their career only as a linear path. And when they stopped and climbed up into a, a imagine climbing up into a helicopter and looking down at your life and getting real about what matters, they realize they, they didn't want to move into a C-suite. So I'd say the first thing to do is really think big picture, get connected to your why, that piece of glass is a telescope. And I think that's really important. The second piece of glass, I might call it, it would be a mirror. So being reflective. 
So in terms of getting right, tactical, practical, I would look back at your last 30 days. I would identify the three, say three or four most positive energy moments, and I would write them down. Writing them down is really important. So really write down what sparked positivity. So maybe it was accomplishing something. Maybe it was motivating a team. Maybe it was getting something done with accuracy and precision. It's collaborating, taking a risk. But it's important to get, start to get really curious. Like when you're having great moments, what's contributing to that? A second thing you could do um, that's reflective is ask for a 360. Find out how others perceive you. If you're interested in moving towards a C-suite, you're going to want to know how other people perceive you. The good, the bad, the ugly. And the third thing I would do is start writing down or continue to write down your accomplishments. One of the barriers to advancement that I see for people is a failure to document the results through the lens of leadership, not just like in my specialty, but through the lens of leadership. So telescope, mirror, look at that big picture reflective. And then the third thing that I would think about is a microscope getting really granular. So you actually mentioned this when you asked the question. I would ask a senior leader, just get real direct. What are the skills or qualities you're looking for in a C-suite leader? Geographically, there's really different kinds of skills and qualities people look for in different cultures. So find out what the local team wants. Um, you could choose a communication skill or leadership skill that you want to learn to start practicing it. You could pick some kind of operational knowledge that you want to learn. Maybe reach out to your CFO, uh, schedule 20 minutes, go in and say, hey, what's a really good financial uh, tip for physicians to know? Or set up a strategy to learn a bit about finances. Maybe one of the biggest ones is become more visible. Start building genuine relationships across the organization because in the end, people that are interested in a C-suite role, it's a lot more about transforming and growing yourself from the inside out. And I also would urge physicians to really think about it through the lens of reframing and reengaging your life, not just one part of your life, not just your job, and really let go of that old, that old rationale that expecting your organization to be responsible for your career development and really empower yourself and create your own future. You had mentioned the 360 evaluation. Mm -hmm. How do you mentally prepare yourself for a 360 evaluation? Because I've never gone through one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've never gone through one. And Mm -hmm. just thinking about what that would uncover Mm -hmm. uh, gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, um, how so what do you, gives you anxiety how, about it? Uh, just finding out all these horrible things about myself, right? Yeah. Things that I'm not prepared to hear. So how do I prepare myself for the outcome of a three, 360 review so that I can benefit from it and not just, you know, react to it and, and, yeah. not, and not welcome the feedback? You know, I am so glad you're bringing that up. There's a couple ways. Number one is it doesn't have to be a formal paid-for-one through an HR team or a coach. And you could actually come up with, like, five questions that don't feel horrible and don't make you anxious and don't, like, make you feel horrible. And then you could email them out to some people and find out. So you can start out small with some informal questions about what you do want to know. If you want to get more formal, there are some 360s that are almost like a 360 light. Um, they're a lighter <laughs> sounds, version. Yes. Yeah, right? 
<laughs> so there, there's different kinds. It doesn't need to be the great big, you know, cellular level, like one that's going to turn people inside out. I'd say don't, don't go for that one right off the bat. Go for something else, either a, a homemade one or work with some colleagues or look for a 360 light version. I think ultimately, I, I love what you're saying. Look for an assessment that's aligned with what you want to learn about yourself. Now, let's say you are, you think you want to head to the C-suite, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you're doing some self-reflection, you realize either, one, you don't have the skill set to end up in the C-suite, or that's not what you really want. Mm. Yet, that seems to be a frequent goal, and it's just kind of like an easy, like, yeah, sure, the C-suite, that's where the leaders go. <laughs> what are some other places where you've seen people pivot when they find out either they're not right for the C-suite or the C-suite isn't right for them? Okay, I really like that question. Can I preface that by telling you some of the biggest issues that I see blocking people from being very effective? And that might even be a, a game changer, a door opener. Can I talk through some of those first? Please. Okay. So to your point, I think um, physicians were trained in a hierarchy, in a hierarchy, right? Be autonomous, you know, find the answer, figure it out yourself. So very much trained in a certain way. And what can happen is that can get them, some of them into the C-suite and then be like, holy heck, like this is not what I expected. So some of the, I don't know if I want to call them common issues or some of the things that I see happening that can block physicians from being effective is number one, overusing a strength of vertical thinking. So what I mean by that is physicians are trained, appropriately so, through the lens of medicine, science, and data. But what can be important once you're into the C-suite role is to actually zoom out and engage the big picture, the mission of the hospital, the, the whole big picture mission. So that leads to a second common issue I see, which is, again, physicians can be extraordinary through the lens of medicine, science, and data. That's what they know. But there's two other key elements that are needed for people to see sleep. So the second is operations. So literally just getting really curious and getting some elementary skills around, you know, how do we keep the lights on? How do we pay the bills? How do we keep good talent? How do we improve quality? So looking at some of those core operations on how to keep the doors open and to keep producing really good healthcare. And then the third element is really that whole leadership people part. So in the C-suite, you don't go around doing the work. You need to inspire and mobilize people at all levels. There was an article out not too long ago, organizations where people feel seen and heard are 40% more productive. This whole notion of leadership is about how to connect, lead, and develop people so they feel seen and heard and are, are actually a part of the organization. So really find a way to engage in the big picture, blending medicine with operations and leadership. Another one I'd say is there was an article, I think it was an ACHE, that said almost 50% of CEOs today are reporting that developing their C-suite team was way more difficult than they expected. And so for physicians moving into C-suite, really that awareness of how they need to pivot from pushing their physician agenda to be part of the C-suite team with an organizational agenda. And then the last common issue, and this will link into if the C-suite path you know, doesn't work out what to do, is really building that muscle of rather than being the expert who needs to diagnose and fix problems, 
is to build that muscle of ask rather than tell, right? It's really about unleashing more that capacity in your team. Um, rather than focusing on what is, to keep your attention on focusing on what could be. And then thirdly, rather than focusing on what's probable, is to really stay focused on what's possible. So those are some issues when I look at people wanting to get into the C-suite where, where they're bumping up against some, some barriers that they might not have seen coming. Let me pause there and ask if that helps set the foundation. Yes, yes. And I, and I actually want to add to that from something that I heard you say on one of your podcast uh-huh. episodes was as a physician, and I just remember being a, a resident and having my list of things to do, right? Yes. These yes. are the things I need to do in order to get through my day. I have a list. I triaged it into order of importance. And now I'm going to get to checking things off. And every so often the pager goes off and you got something else added to your list, but you figure out a place for that and you just go through your day checking off the list. Mm-hmm. But in a leadership position, that list of things to do might get waylaid by people trying to talk to you. <laughs> and so what you need to do is talk to them and listen to them and respond to them because what you're doing there is you're actually strengthening your their relationships. You said, you know, they, that people need to be seen and heard. And so you need to do that in a leadership in order to get to the leadership position. If you're the one who's listening to everybody's problems, you're going to be viewed as a leader, even if you're not in the leadership position. So I think, you know, with us and our, and our checklists and our things of, list of things to do, that is not one of those things, and it's going to seem like a waste of time, but we need to learn how to embrace it. And I know this is something for me personally, that's challenging, right? right. I didn't come here to hang out. I came right. here to get my work done. I came here to take care of my patients, get my stuff done, and go home. But, but you know, stopping and schmoozing and <laughs> chatting is, uh, sorry, that's a very Northeast uh, word, um, is, is, is part of the leadership. And it's part of connecting with your team. It's part of creating a team. It's part of letting people know that you've, you've been heard. And I just, when I heard it, it, a light bulb just went off in my head. And that's why I, I thought it bears repeating on this episode. Well, I would take a step further. If there's someone who is annoyed by people, it feels like a waste of time to stop and listen. If it feels like people are getting me waylaid, then then there probably needs to be some pre-conversations to explore why does leadership appeal to them? What do they, what, you know, what else do they really want to do? Because if, if anyone didn't get me. the memo, what's that? Because I want people to listen to me. That's why. Because oh, I have all well. the answers and I want people to listen to me. And I know how to fix this place and people are going to listen to me and they're going to do it. So how's that working for you to work for that kind of leader? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like whiplash, how to take the skills that got you to where you are and really sort through. So what part of that is serving me? Do I want to take forward? What part of it's not? So maybe that's a good segue. By the way, you're making me laugh too. Maybe it's a good segue to talk about, you know, what else is out there if people don't, you know, if the executive suite doesn't roll, work out. And and you're actually already kind of addressing it. I think it's metaphorically climbing up into a helicopter, really looking down about what matters. So, you know, people go out for a beer with a colleague, um, find a really good mentor, hire a coach, but it really starts on reflecting on values and experiences that energize you. If you love checklists, if you love precision, um, then there's certain kinds of roles that, that you could go into. If you love technology and want to learn something new, you know, I could start down one path. If you hate Excel spreadsheets, but you love people, 
there's experiences around bringing people together and, um, you know, getting them focused to get stuff done, that could take you down a path. But really reflecting on experiences that energize you, really writing down, what do I want to learn? What do I want to unlearn? And it sounds soft, but there is science behind it that to really identify what are your core strengths and then write about, you know, set your phone for five minutes and write about how am I using my strengths and how else could I use them? So again, you could have just a conversation with someone about, you know, my current role, how else could I use this? If I were to expand, work on a new collaboration or maybe just volunteer outside of work, like how else can I use my strengths? Because when we're using them optimally, we can get so much more done with less effort. Another activity for people interested in growing and a C-suite role is not moving out, it's called a lifeline. So you have a piece of paper, hold it uh, landscape, draw a big horizontal line, mark it from birth to your current age, put a hash mark for every 10 years, and then really allow yourself to think about what were some of my best moments I've had and draw a dot above the line. Like the better the moment, the higher the dot. And what moments really sucked? They just like depleted me, discouraged, just like they were, they were either bad or horrible and put those dots below the line and then connect them, right? So it makes like a sine curve or a, a wave. And look for themes. Really get curious about what were the times most satisfying, what was most frustrating, and allow that. Go ahead and engage in a conversation with someone to imagine what other kinds of opportunities could spark energy or leverage those themes. I would say bottom line, so I don't know if you're going to like this, but I'm going to tell you it's one, it's one perspective worth considering. It sounds counterintuitive, but growing ourselves really begins from the inside. It starts from the inside out, and as we engage in that reflection action experience, we can find accountability partners to help us commit to taking small actions. One of the things you mentioned in there for for reflection was, you know, discussing about this with a coach. So, uh-huh. how, how long how long have you been coaching? Just remind us of that. Uh, twenty five years. Twenty five years, and and now coaching seems to be the new it thing, right? Mm-hmm. The yep. Coaches are just popping up everywhere. Yep. How do we? know the good from the bad. How do we know who's an effective coach and someone who just decided to hang up a shingle with no experience? They were just looking for another revenue stream or something like that. Yeah, right? Right. How do we, how do we get connected with someone that we know is right for us? Yeah. I love that question. I, first of all, I want to make a shout out to, there are so many physicians and leaders that use really good coaching skills like listening, like you asking really good questions. So I want to make a distinction. There are a lot of people that can take coaching skills, integrate them into their work, and they're doing great stuff. So I want to give a shout out to people doing that. In terms of traits, let me talk just a moment about what I think is important about physician coaches and how to find one. I think some of the most important things are experience. I think when you work with someone who's worked with physicians, they are in their own space of learning, sharing what they're observing, noticing. I think credentials are important. Basic coaches will ask, you know, what do you want to focus on? What action are we going to take? It's much more transactional versus looking for someone with credentials and really gets it. Change happens when people embody their own insights, when they embody, when they're really connected to their own learnings. They will shift and they'll start taking action in a way that's really meaningful to them. 
Um, I think it's important to find a coach who has uh, good processes, but they'll customize it and flex it so you have a really amazing personal experience. And um, coaches that get results, ask, find out, you know, what kind of results have they gotten. I'll tell you one other bonus. We, and I don't know how many other coaches are doing this. There, there could be plenty. I actually just don't know this. But we actually now are offering CME credit. So for physicians who thought about hiring a coach but felt held back can now apply their CME dollars towards hiring a coach. So I would ask about that. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, that's a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of takes some of the risk out of it, but they could also, you know, it's like your organization can invest in you and you can too. So it can be a win-win. I I think one of the best ways to find a coach is find out, find an executive or physician um, who's worked with a coach and ask them who they worked with. Ask them for what their experience was like. Um, Ask them if they'd recommend them. I think hearing stories and finding out from people you respect is really important. I think you can set 30-minute calls with coaches. A lot will go ahead and hop on a call with people, ask about their processes or experiences. And ultimately, I think it's important to find someone who will really challenge you beyond what you might initially call out as your goals. Not just help you get from what your A to B and what you've identified as B, but rather what they can help you realize. Yes. Yeah, I think we only know what we know. So part of what you do when you hire a coach is to start out and say, hey, I want to play bigger. I want to, I want to, I want something more. I don't know what that more is. And part of coaching is right quick up front, helping to frame that up. And then the coaching process um, helps to realize that. Actually explore running some multiple iterations, some multiple experiments, but really exploring and connecting into what that bigger life is for you. So I just have one more question, and it's actually the question that you had for me when I was on your podcast. I want to turn that around. Oh, so the, the question! <laughs> yes, the question is: as a coach, I've noticed that many of us go through important experiences, especially difficult ones, and learn only a fraction of what we could from the situation. Mm-hmm. So my question is: how do we maximize our learning in difficult situations? We just went through a difficult situation, and we came out on the other side. How do we reflect on that and, and make the most of it? Mm, that's really good. I, saw there, I took a neuroscience class about a year ago, and they talked about how 95% of what we're doing each day is either unconscious or on autopilot. So there's just habits, assumptions, beliefs, feelings, thoughts that are driving what we do every day. And it's not good or bad. It just it is what it is. So I think when we go through a major experience, good or bad, I think there really is value in just pausing to get really curious. So a couple of questions might be just to document, you know, again, set your phone for 10 minutes and just, just go ahead and write your response. Like, so what, what the heck happened? What was the main event that made up that experience? And just write a couple minutes. Uh, then write one or two minutes about when, when did I even become aware that something was going on? Um, it's really important to pause and notice, you know, where, where did that start? And then the third question is really getting curious about how did what I do or not do influence the outcomes of that? In other words, did I do something that I want to celebrate? Is there something I would do differently next time? Did I hold back and contract and feel fear? But just get really curious. How did the actions I take influence the outcome for better or worse? There's no judgment. Just be really curious about your own actions. 
And then the fourth and final question I think really is about why did this touch me so deeply? You know, what were, what was it that touched me in such a big way? And is that impacting me in any way? Is this pushing me to the edge of how I see myself, how I've known myself? And is there a way I can dip my toe over the edge? You know, almost see myself like as a, um, oh, what is that? Like those infinity pools, <laughs> like going to the edge of how I've always seen, thought, and, and experienced myself. And, and be very curious, why did this touch me? And, and dip my toe over the edge about how I might grow from this. Powerful stuff. Uh, any, any parting thoughts for our guests? And also, where can people find you online and learn more about you and your consulting group? Yeah, awesome. I, um, the thing I would say in closing is we need more physicians in leadership roles and to bring all of themselves, bring their curiosity, their dreams. We need people out there, out front shaping and leading the future of healthcare. Our family is thriving um, because of physicians who touched our lives and we want to give back and um, get more physicians out front. So on LinkedIn, I'm on Sandy Scott. Our website is Sandy Scott LLC. Uh, email is sandy at sandyscottllc.com. And our podcast, you were on there. That was way fun. It's High Impact Physicians Podcast. You can find anywhere you access other podcasts. Excellent. This gives a lot, a lot for us to reflect on, a lot for us to think about. And thank you very much for your time. Well, thanks for all you do. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to crossing paths again. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.